Many of you have quit watching the news. You tell me this. It's discouraging. If you have been watching and listening to the news, some of the things you would be following would be sickness. You'd be following death counts. You would be listening to political scandals. You would be... uh, aware that a killer quake has hit Haiti, many lives lost, still, still the numbers are, are rising, loss of properties, storms coming up the east coast, wildfires on the west coast, largest fire ever in California. You would be hearing about... Um, Wars and rumors of wars. You'd be hearing about a a country being taken over by a radical Islamic regime. And again, the position of the radical Islamist is no secret. It is all about world domination. Are you encouraged yet in what I've shared? (laughs) With that in mind, it would be easy for us to so vegetate or cocoon or find ourselves so depressed or finding ourselves so caught up in the circumstances of the time that we would just be filled with fear. The gracious young lady that led us in prayer today reminds us that we are the church. And in that, we have one mission, and that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We've never been needed like we're needed right now. I'm going to drill that in us until you're tired of hearing me say that. It isn't times of great revival and joy that were needed the most. It's times like right now. People are seeking for answers. We know the answer. In that, we have to have open hearts. We've got to be able to develop some people skills. Let's get it on a practical plane. To communicate with people, to engage with people, to reach out a helping hand to someone. To give them insight, to earn a place to speak into their lives, so that when they watch us, they see something that they want, or they see something that they respect, or they see something at least that causes them the question, why aren't you panicking like everybody else? Why aren't you filled with hate speech like everybody else? Why aren't you, why aren't you, why aren't you? And it gives us the privilege to say, Because my faith is in the solid rock of Jesus Christ, my Lord. I want you to stand with me for the reading of Scripture in two places. Same story, two different writers. I want us to go to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read the first 11 verses, and then we're going to Matthew chapter 4 for just three more verses. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 says, On one occasion... 
while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both the boats. And they came and filled, excuse me, the boats so that the boats began to sink. <laughs> but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Matthew chapter 4, reading verses 18 through 20. I know a lot of people have digital Bibles, but I still like hearing the pages turn on the regular printed Bibles. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So immediately they left their nets, and they followed him. We thank you for your word, O Lord. It's a story of old. It's a story of antiquity, Lord. But there are things that we can glean from it in this hour in which we live. Let us get that revelation. Let us hear you speak to us directly through your living word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just before you're seated, turn to somebody and say, it's good to see you. Those of you streaming, we're glad you're with us as well. I've been preaching a long time now. I've had the privilege of seeing different seasons in this nation. I've had the privilege of traveling around the globe. I've had the privilege of sharing with young and sharing with older than young. You like how I said that? I've had the responsibility of being an evangelist as well as being a local pastor. And I gotta tell you that this story right here ought to resonate with us like never before. Again, I, I'm not going to keep going back to the story itself. What you've got to understand is he spoke to these men and said, from now on, you're going to be fishers of men. You're going to catch people. The word today that's used is influencers. 
you hear the word influencer quite a bit. Most of the time, it's from some celebrity somewhere. It's some podcast. It is someone that has a, 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 an audience in social media. Sometimes it's on standard television broadcast. But again, those who have influence over somebody else. That's exactly what Jesus was saying to these men so long ago. No longer are you just going to fish to feed your own family. You're going to be influencers. I'm going to send you out. I'm going to change your life. You're going to affect change. And just the same principles you've learned in catching these fish, knowing that sometimes it's, it's a great catch, other times you've toiled and it seems like you've got nothing for your effort. That's exactly the way it will be in working with people. But you got to keep on fishing. you got to keep on influencing. One thing is for sure, you'll never catch a fish unless you go fishing. Can I hear an amen? amen. They're not just going to jump out of the lake and show up on your front porch, already baked and cooked. And so it is with people. Today I find myself wanting to share and say solid in in study at the same time to be in that practical mode that I like to stay in. And you'll see me kind of mix it because what we've got to get, if we don't get anything else, is the reality that we need to care about other people. This gospel is about people. Church is about people. Ministry is about people. Everything we do is about people. Don't get me wrong. I know we make statements and the Lord deserves all of our worship. And we say it's all about him. And yet he commissions us right back. If you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor. Just like you love yourself. You can't separate this gospel from God and people together. It's intrinsic of each other. We've got to get to that place where we care. In an hour in which we live now, you showing a little bit of concern and care goes longer than probably any other time you can think of. When you're authentically helping somebody without an agenda, when you're authentically getting involved in their life, when you're authentically spending your time to help them with something. Jim Elliott was a missionary in South America. He lost his life in that effort. When they found his memoirs, one quote above all that just continues to speak to me, and I trust it speaks to all of us. He shared this gospel so much, and he put it in his own Jim Elliott terms. He said, he is no fool that will give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool that will give his life, which he won't be able to keep anyhow, to gain eternal life in the process. He is no fool that will give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I think there is this disconnect many times in local churches that, yeah, when we hear these stories of missionaries, of the apostles of old, of preachers, that that's their world, but that isn't me. 
And yet, we couldn't be further from the truth. Every one of us are influencers. At some level, we're influencers. Some may have larger audiences than others. Some may just have one on an ongoing basis. Others may have tens of thousands. And then you may in a lifetime realize there's an ebb and flow and at times you have more than others. But the reality is we're influencers. And we're always influencing one way or another. We are either influencing for the good or for the poor. We are finding ourselves realizing that that's why it's important to be consistent, to be influencers. It ought to change our prayer life. Lord, here I am today. You've given me another day. I don't know if I'll get tomorrow. So today, here I am. Lord, use me. Let me have an encouraging word for somebody today. Send somebody in my path today that just needs a pat on the back. Lord, let me just support somebody else. Let me encourage somebody else. This is the way Paul put it as he spoke to the church in Corinth. You'll find it in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. says, you know what I've learned? I've learned to become all things to all people, that by all means I may win some. In other words, give it your all. That's the, that's the repeating word there, all. Give it your all. What did he really mean by that? He said, I have learned people skills. It's genuine with me. And I've learned that when I speak to this group, I need to listen a little better to know what their concerns are, and I need to acquiesce to that to be able to help them with their needs. And when I get to this group, their needs are different. So I need to, to do this. I need to live in such a way that I'm approachable. You see, I'm using very practical terms today. It isn't church church ease or Christianese language I'm using right now. It's everyday language. But it's exactly what Paul was sharing with us. He said... I, here's the secret. I've become the servant to all. That is so humbling. And yet, so paramount. When you can come to that place and say, Lord, I'm going to take up my cross and follow you today. Sounds like old church news, right? Old church preaching, and yet it's current it hasn't changed. The mission hasn't changed. Lord, you redeemed me. You purchased me with your shed blood. My old life is gone. I've become a new creation in Christ. This new life is all about you. Whether I'm a computer analyst, whether I'm a mail carrier, whether I'm a nurse, whether I'm a preacher, whether I work in a factory, whether I'm an entrepreneur, whether I'm a garbage collector, Whatever I am, a public school teacher, Lord, this is my mission, to be a servant to all. You want to stand out in the crowd? Serve others. You'll stand out. Because we live in an extremely selfish time. Can I hear a hearty amen on that? Every advertisement we hear is telling us how to take care of self and promote self. And you better get yours first, and if there's enough, then you can help somebody else. But the Word of God teaches us different. Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, 
pressed down, shaking together, getting all those chips down the bag and filling the bag up anyhow. How many of us have got a bag of potato chips and so disappointed when you open up and you get a bag of air? I just thought I was going to eat this whole bag. I have to reach three quarters way down that bag to start getting the first chip. How many's with me? Just ticks me off. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together and yet running over is what happens when you learn to give authentically. Giving of your time, giving of your effort, giving of your concern, giving of your compassion, giving of your love. I truly believe this. This, this. this thing of being fishers of people, catching people, it's a lifetime of events, not just an event. It's this ongoing Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher, maybe a, a choir director, maybe a preacher, maybe a, a layman, whatever. It isn't just, okay, we, the church is going to put this crusade together or put this effort together or this outreach together and then I'll be a part and all those things are fine in their place. But we've got to get the real message here. We're fishers of people and it's every day for our lifetime. There are seasons, there's times we've worked and toiled and have nothing. And it's been a long season, and yet there'll be another season. And maybe it'll be a bountiful catch. It is coming back to realizing it's a lifetime of work. Here's what I'm convinced of in our time more than anything I can think of in the lifetime I've lived thus far. Most of our effort, most of our reward, most of our visible tangible take on our efforts will come over time. In other words, we live in a time where people are very suspicious. They don't trust. There's, too, there's been too many lies, too many scandals. Many of these in the name of a Christian or of a church or a religion. People have to see it in us. They don't just buy in. How many of you have had an experience where somebody said, okay, I can trust you now, basically. I've been watching you for a long time. You've been consistent in what you're doing. In other words, I'm telling you, don't get tired. Don't get weary in your well-doing. Keep on keeping on. Keep giving it your all. But it, it, and how do I do that? By learning that secret. I've learned to be a servant to all. It's the most liberating thing you'll ever experience. Lord, help me reach somebody that I, let's get real honest with it, that I have nothing in common with. That I wouldn't socialize with on an average day. Lord, give me an opportunity to reach this person, to touch this person, to do something good for this person. It's eye-opening. How do you do that? Again, getting that mindset. I want to be a servant to all. I don't care their stature in society. I don't care what country they were born in. I don't care how much money they may have or education or lack thereof. Lord, I'm a servant to all. When we really get to the heart of the Christian message, we must all take it very personal. Jesus, wherever I go today, I represent you. When I started driving a school bus four years ago, 
basically tell you two or three things. And the last is, and we're putting a uniform on you. You represent this organization every day you wear that uniform. Whatever you do, good or bad, reflects the entire agency. It ought to be that way for every Christian. I represent him. I can remember several years ago when Aaron was in high school and had the privilege of being an incredible instructor. Her name was Mrs. Tutnick. And so the kids abbreviated it because back in that time, Mr. T was big. So they called her Mrs. T. I can remember the first concert Sheila and I went to to listen to Aaron and his group. And the kids were just, it was before the concert, and they were just being kids, and they were unorganized, and they were slapping each other and unorganized. And finally, it was about five minutes before the concert, and I heard one of the kids say, straighten up. We got to look good for Mrs. T. And within that five minutes, it all organized because they weren't about to make her look bad. I thought, oh, she has instilled something in them. She's put respect in them that's come back, and now they respect her. So it is in this faith. We can't allow just to get into ruts and routines of church. It's got to be a living reality. Do you know what a rut is? It's a grave with both ends knocked out. Church people can get in ruts. See, I can preach like this because I'm a pastor. I've been here a long time. I know you. I know people. Well, I, I go to church. I pay tithe. I do this. I do that. But if we're just putting on an autopilot and no heart in it, where are we going with it? To realize I woke up this morning, Lord, you gave me a brand new day. What are we going to do? What's going to happen today? How many is with me? You get bored with the same old thing every day. Some of you have your ruts and routines and you do them every day, but don't you get bored with yourself? I thought so. And finally, someone comes along and makes you get out of that rut and you fuss at them. And after you go through, it's like, I'm so glad you pushed me. That's what I'm doing today. How many times has somebody gone through this? Like, I am so glad you made me do that. But you fussed at me. I know I did. I just fuss at everything, I guess. But I would have never experienced this myself if you hadn't pushed me. When we get to that place, just saying, okay, Holy Ghost, come on, do something with me today. Push me out of my norm. Push me out of my comfort zone. Put me somewhere where I have seldom been or maybe never been. Use me in the same old place, but in a different way. Lord, teach me. Make life worth living. I shared with Sheila this morning, as you listen to the news, the millennials, Gen Zers, and all the things that they're under and they hear, we are seeing something that breaks my heart, should break your heart. Many of these kids are living in daily fear. They're afraid to live. What a travesty. 
Jesus said, I've come that you may have life. An abundant life. Well, all this stuff's going on. It is going on. But he can use me right now as an influencer. Second week of October 1871, city of Chicago, the great D.L. Moody came to his pulpit and he had had the largest crowd he'd ever witnessed. It was already a large work, but by now his renown had become known and the building was packed. He preached to them and the title of his message was, what will you do with this Jesus called the Christ? And as he preached that message, as he was concluding, he said, I'm going to give you one week to think about it. He had no idea that in the next few days, the great fire of Chicago would happen. 100,000 people lost their homes. Many of the people that were in that building on Sunday had died and perished in that fire. It changed D.L. Moody. He said, I'll never preach like that again. It haunted him the rest of his days. Because just like these men, the Bible says when Jesus spoke to them, they immediately left their boats. And so it is, again, in our life, what it really speaks of is change. We're so afraid of change, and yet it's the very thing that should motivate us. Well, but I, I know this world. But there are other worlds. Lord, I, I want to be an influencer. Then let me show you. Learn of me. Let me open the doors for you. Let me teach you how to walk in the Spirit. To be that influencer to help somebody realize that immediate change that was in these disciples would happen in yet others. The problem many of us have is, of course, then we just try to carry our old life right into this new life. Can you imagine those fishermen that day trying to follow Jesus, dragging their boats out of the water onto land? Oh, Peter forgot three of the nets back there. Oh, yeah, I got to get them too. Exactly what described so many. I'm going to finish with this. I want to tell you the story of my sisters here today, Susan. We have two other brothers. I'm the best looking of the sons, by the way. I want to tell you about our mother. Housewife. Worked a a factory job for just a short season, but dad and mom decided we're going to raise a family, and mom became a housewife. But the story of our mother is, is something that's very special, but I trust it speaks to you, and maybe it'll be that thing that inspires you to look at your own life. My mother wasn't raised in a Christian home, furthest thing from it. If you look up the word dysfunction, the picture next to it would have been my mother's home. Many vices, many problems, many sins. My mother lived across the street from a Nazarene church. The Holy Spirit himself just led her over there at age five. 
She gave her heart to the Lord as a child, five years old. Again, mom and dad wasn't there. Nobody else was there. She just went to church. Matter of fact, in time, her father said, I demand that you never go back to that church. His mother attended another church several blocks away and took my mother to that church. As a six-year-old, she left that church and walked back to her Nazarene church. (laughs) Finally, her father gave up, and mom would stay there and grow in the faith. My mother's mother died at age 52, but before she died, my mother was able to lead her own mother to the Lord. Her father died at age 49. He had not been a good man. But before his death, my mother led her own daddy to the Lord. The story didn't stop there. My mother's mother's name was Ada. Ada had three sisters. My mother led her aunts to the Lord. She led Aunt Mary to the Lord and Aunt Fanny to the Lord. And after their deaths and way up in years, Aunt Dorothy called my mother and said, Jean, I know I won't be here much longer, and I miss my sisters, and I know there was a change in their lives, and I want what they got. I don't know how to do it. What do I do? Mom led that last aunt to the Lord over the phone. My mother would lead brothers to the Lord in time. I've shared that story with you because I want you to get the understanding of being fishers of people is a lifetime of work. It isn't just in the moment. It isn't just an event. Those are caught up in a lifetime of work. But I want us to hear the words of our Lord today as we close out. I'm calling you to be catchers of people. Influencers, the days that you have, let me have them, and I'll turn them into something that I can use for my glory. He'll use our education. He'll use our people skills. He'll he'll use our talents, whatever, to reach others, to influence others. I want you to stand with me today.